This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Sitting an hour before his man and hearing a drush is something that you don't get to do so often uh, during the year. So we're starting off with a question. This is the question I was given. Um, who's in control in the Yiddish Ashtib? So for those of you who know or don't know, I, I do a weekly question answer uh, shir. So I'm very used to starting off with a question. It just makes it a little easier to answer. So the question over here is a general question. Who's in control in the Yiddish Ashtib? And when I heard this question, it reminded me of a conversation I once heard. Somebody was talking to a Mechanech, and he was explaining how he's struggling with his children, a lot of difficulties. You know, but, but I, I already learned that you have to pick your battles with your kids. That was the way he described his, uh, the Chinech advice he got. I learned you have to pick your battles. And right away the answer the Mechanech gave him was, why are you battling your children? Sometimes we use phrases and terms that we don't even realize what it, what it really means. But when you're picking battles with your children, it sounds like you're in some kind of war and you're just trying to figure out which ones you're going you're to win. So when it comes to something like who's in control in either Shtiv, it, it sounds like there's, there's an a issue of control, which is just the question, who's really the one in control, right? And the, the term control, most often, in relationships in general, is usually used in a, in a negative, derogatory sense. Control usually means that somebody's controlling someone else. And in healthy and good relationships, the way we want Yiddish Shtiba to be, that's definitely not a word that we're trying to use. You never hear somebody, a woman, she's always be in control. You know, it's not something that you want to, you know, even if you're telling someone who will be in control, it's not something that, that sounds too good. Even when a husband and wife are going somewhere, there's one person in the driver's seat, and there's usually only one person in the driver's seat, it doesn't mean that he's controlling where we're going. It means that two people are heading somewhere, and one of them is driving where both of them want to go. And that's how it should be when Ibish is health, you know, when, 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 when things are the way they should be. Now, of course, there's such a thing as one person helping another person. There's such a thing as one person telling the to another person, and even accommodating someone else, but not control. And that's something I want to be very clear about. In a relationship where somebody's controlling the other person, there's already a problem, no matter who it is. And that's not how it should be. And very often we hear people talk about who's the boss in the house, who's really the one making decisions, who's the one that has the last word. And these things are usually not, not comments or statements you'll hear when everything is the way it should be. There's a joke about the insurance agent who knocked on the door and the housekeeper opens up. She says, I want to talk to the boss of the house. I said, okay. So he walks away. A few minutes later, the husband comes. He asks him, are you the boss of the house? Oh, no, not me. So he steps aside and a few minutes later, his wife shows up. He said, oh, are you the boss of the house? The boss of this house? No. You're going, you mean my teenage daughter? And she comes along and says, are you the boss of this house? No, that's my little brother. So finally a 10-year-old comes to the door and says, are you the boss of this house? No, I'm not the boss of the house. Can I speak to the boss of this house finally? Yeah, we have to come upstairs for that. You sure? So yeah, she takes him up to the second floor, he points to the crib. Now that's the boss of this house. Very often you talk about the boss of the house, and it has a certain mashmuas that's, that's not something we really want to... That's really that, that, that's, that's the way we want things to be. And very often you hear people actually taking control of a certain areas in the relationship. Uh, and it's a given. Some people say, you know, this is my thing to decide. This belongs to me. This is how it should be. You're not supposed to talk... You're not supposed to miss the haram in this noisa. You know, I don't know where you come from, but the way I grew up, everybody knows that this really belongs to the husband, to the mother, to the father. Very often people are taking control over certain issues without even realizing what they're doing. And you hear sometimes people talking about uh, you know, who's wearing the pants in the house, who's the boss. And it's usually not something that people will admit to, interestingly. 
right? You'll, you'll, you'll be able to ask someone who's, who is the parents in that house, or you'll ask children sometimes, you know, who is the parents in the parents' house, and they'll have an opinion. You'd be surprised sometimes what that opinion is. Rarely will you hear someone say, or when people talk to me at least, you know, oh, in my house, I make all the decisions, I'm the boss. People don't, people don't talk like that. People don't feel proud about that. People don't uh, identify with being the boss. In some cases, people will justify why they're making decisions. some cases, people will go and explain that it's not really me, I'd only do it because my wife is indecisive. But rarely will you hear somebody being proud about being in control and being boss. And that's a good thing. It's because deep down we all know that when it comes to a, a, a real relationship, there's no, there's, no, there's no bossing and controlling. It's not the way we want to we work a relationship. And very often I hear people describing, and when you think about it, you'll see it might be easy to relate to like this. People describe to me a lot of times their parents' relationship. And very often they'll right away zoom in and say, yeah, I'll tell you who the boss was in my parents' house. Everything my father wanted went. My mother didn't have a choice. Or the other way around. When my mother says something, that's what goes. My father just shakes his head and you know, says, the man in the house has the last word in every, every discussion. Yes, there. And it ends over there. You know, that, that's not really, that's not how things should be. There's a story about a guy who was taking his kids... Uh, Chalamoid in the toy store, just uh, you know, buy something to keep them busy. As soon as he walks in, the guy comes over and says, oh, you just won a $25 gift certificate. And we have every 30th person that comes to the store, wins a certificate. Oh, he's all excited. He calls his kids around, he says, okay, we bought a, a gift certificate, so this is going to be a special bonus. So who are we going to buy a special prize for? Who deserves it most? Everyone's quiet, you know, nobody wants to rock the boat. So okay, let's, let's do it like this. Whoever always listens to mommy and never argues, and the first time she says something, that's, that's the one who's going to get this, this gift certificate. And all the kids go, okay, Tati, it's yours. And that's sometimes, unfortunately, how you see a certain imbalance in relationships. Now, before I go on and, and explain how this is supposed to take a happen, and not just uh, idealistically, you know, nobody's bossing each other, I do want to mention and qualify, and there's something I, I try to always be very clear about. There is a boss in Yiddish Hashtib. And it's easier for me to talk about this uh, facing the men. And yeah, technically a man is a man of the house, and he's a babus in the rhyme. And a woman is actually put from Kibbutz of Rhyme because she's so, uh, she's so machiev to the covet of her husband, quite bala, that automatically, you know, whatever her father may tell her to do, she has to say, I'm sorry, Tati, I got married, I have a new boss. And she's supposed to do everything the way the husband wants. If the Rambam zukt, call Maseu, al piv. It's 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 quite uh, it's quite a long list of, of things. Now it doesn't take away in any way from what a husband's supposed to be. Respect and and the rechid is one for another. My point is, I don't want anyone to go away from anything we're going to be saying here today, thinking that okay, there's no more boss anymore. You got that? So from now on, you know, we do things the way uh, the way it works. There's, there's a boss in Yiddish but the idea of bossing and controlling. And a relationship where one person is afraid of the other one, and one person is making decisions instead of the other one, that's something that's not conducive for shulam bias. So if we're looking to live, we're looking to take each other seriously, and make each other feel well, there's definitely a lot to think about if somebody wants to even be the boss of a house, or making decisions, or taking control over any given issue. That's first of all. Another thing that definitely has to be mentioned, and that is that if we're talking about the boss, there's definitely an ultimate boss. And it's clear that anything that ever happens in Yiddish Hashtib has to always be the way the Ibishtah wants it. And uh, this, is, this is something that has to be said and again and again, because so often, you know, when it comes to making decisions on our own, and we start using all kinds of uh, psychological methods that seem to work in the relationship, we tend to forget that we are both 
Mechiev in the Kabbalah Samach Shemayim. And we both, want to, we both want to make sure, not one is trying to control the other, but both trying to make sure that whatever we're doing is the way Yiddish Ashtib Tavgefid Vedim. That's not a question. So back to the idea of who's in control. Sometimes people understand that, yeah, in a relationship where one person's in control, that's not a good relationship. It's a lopsided relationship. I have a class online called the lopsided relationship that I get a lot of feedback about. And some relationships look a little lopsided when one person is dominating the other and, and things like that. But there are situations where a household is working where, you know what, let's, let's, let's separate certain areas. This is your thing, this is my thing. And sometimes it seems to work. You know, say a guy was marrying off his son, he said, no, Tati, give me some marriage advice. He said, I'll tell you the key to is right in the beginning we made up, me and mommy, that all the, small decisions, all the small decisions she makes and all the big ones I make. And everything was fine since then, we never fought anymore. I said, really? I, I never noticed you making any decisions. Yeah, there were never any big issues to deal with. Everything was always the small. She, oh, I don't know, she always, she always explained that it's always the small stuff. But, are, you know, you have sometimes in the Yiddish Ashtib, when it comes to learning with the boys, the Ovazabunim, that's yours, and that you have to take care of. When it comes to cleaning up, that's, that's hers, and she has to deal with. And sometimes things like this work. You know, sometimes we just, you know, the finances are his, and the spending is hers, and things like that. You know, we, we, somehow we, we, we try to make it work. It's a joke about the guy who, his wife lost his credit card. Somebody asked me, you're not worried? No, the person who's told spends a lot less than she does. You know, but, but in, in many cases, it seems to work when we split things up. And some people think that that's how it should be. And, and, sometimes, and if it works, it's fine. As long as it's not coming at each other's expense. In other words, sometimes uh, you know, people are throwing at each other things, and this is yours, and that's yours, and everyone's waiting for the other person to take care of something, which again, becomes an issue of control, who's deciding who belongs, what belongs to whom. There definitely are things that even Toyredik are, are responsibilities of a husband to bring Panusa, and sometimes he's waiting for his wife to do that. The responsibilities of a wife whether it's the, the running the house and things, there, there definitely are ways that it's normal to share responsibilities. But it's not about control. You know, a couple came home from the hospital with a baby, and, and uh, so she grew up in a house where whenever a pamper had to be changed, the mother would tell the father, okay, go change the pamper. So she comes home and says, no, Yankel, the pamper. So oh, next time, ne- next one, next one. Okay, next one, that's fine. Twelve hours later, no, Yankel, change the pamper. No, I meant next baby. Yeah. Sometimes there are definitely things that do make sense when one person is doing one person. And sometimes you hear about situations that are mamish, you know, at least I hear about such situations that are mamish set up wrong and people are taking care of the different responsibilities that definitely don't belong to them. But let's talk about an idea, I spoke about this many times, that, that relates to all relationships, not only marriage. It's an idea that would help almost any relationship have a, a key in, a happy relationship, long-term relationship, Something that could work in any relationship. And this could be a relationship between neighbors, a relationship between employees and employers and workmates and, and, and relatives and siblings, and Shulam Bayes as well. And this has to do with a, with a, a question I ask. I spoke about this once at length at Karaftuni, actually. What happens when we get married? What happens when two people are in a relationship, basically? But in marriage, it's, it's, it's always more relevant do we become one, or do we remain two? So some people like to think about it, at least right when they get married, or at least when they're still a chusen kala, it sounds amazing, that we're becoming one. Or becoming one means that we are now going to be one couple. It's going to be so gishmak, we're always going to want the same thing, and we're always going to have the same ideas, we're always going to have the same taste, and we're always going to, and we're always going to be disappointed. That's what happens. Because if you're expecting two people to become one, most often that's going to end off in disappointment. 
Then you have people who say, listen, we are married, but you know, what is that? That's not a commitment. I mean, we're roommates and we even share a bank account. Why not? And we run a house together. We even share kids, by the way. But, you know, but, but we're still two people. And it's fine. You do yours and I do mine. And you have people, unfortunately, that could go along in a relationship for quite a long time as roommates. And sometimes people see that for whatever reason it's hard to get along with the person they married. And they decide, you know what? We can get along without getting along. Who said we have to... You know, what really happens? So we're married. You know, there's whatever, whatever that uh, entails technically, but nothing more. And they're both a big mistake. Two people being married doesn't mean they become one person. And if you think that, that, that that's the way it is, you're going to be very disappointed. You might be standing in the lobby uh, outside a Kerftuni session, and she's saying, you know, I think we really need help, because this title is talking about our kid. She said, no, we don't need help. I told you a thousand times already. I said, yeah, we do. It's fine if two people have a different opinion about something. And if you're expecting two people who are married to always have the same opinion, like I said, you're always going to be up, up for disappointment. Does that mean that we remain two people? Then with what are you related? So the idea is to know how to have two people that remain two people, and they leave each other's space, and they let each other have their own opinions and feelings and thoughts, and yet, they definitely have the place where they are connected. They're not just two separate people. The relationship is where they connect. And this is true in every relationship. In every relationship, there will always be the part of the relationship that connects us, where in that area we're connected. It's just that in marriage, it's all-encompassing. Because so many things, on a steady basis, really do involve both people at the same time, and that's where we are related, that's where we do need to be one, while still allowing each other to have our own identity and still be two. So let me explain what that means. In every relationship, there will always have to be three categories. Remember this, this is in every relationship. And this is something that I always feel comfortable talking both to men and to women at the same time about, because it's something that technically we, we should both be understanding each other. It's not about, you know, I'll teach you how to give a good compliment, and you come out and your wife just heard the same speech, I come out, it didn't work, you know, because I, I know where you got that idea. This is, this is an idea that should help every relationship thrive long term. When two people are married, there's always going to be the mine, the yours, and the ours. Remember that. There's always the mine, there's the yours, and the ours. So the example I always give when I'm speaking is that in the relationship we're in now, we're sitting here together, I'm speaking, you're listening, we're in a relationship. What's mine? Mine has to do with how I'm talking, how fast I'm talking, what language I'm speaking in, what I decide to say, if I want to stand in one place, or I want to wear my hat, and things like that, that's mine. Somebody tells me, you know, the speaker before you did things differently, I think you should be doing it like that. Sorry, that's, that's, that's mine to decide. And the same thing is the other way around. If I say, you know, the group over here doesn't look so intelligent, I think you should all start shaking, it will make you look a little more involved. Why are you telling people what to do? But then there's the part that definitely belongs to us together. Which means that if I'm more comfortable all of a sudden turning off the lights or turning off the air conditioning, or doing something that involves both of us, but I'm taking control over that, that's a problem, because that's where we're in the relationship. That's where we're doing something together. And if I'm not going to take anyone seriously and just do my own thing where it really does involve two people, that's where I'm assuming that I'm still on my own and I don't have to think about anyone else, and that's not a relationship. Now, if any of these three, any of these three categories are going to be violated or misunderstood or misinterpreted and not agreed upon, there's going to be a problem. And I could say dealing with people's issues for a while, I say I never saw a situation where people are having problems and these three categories were understood and respected. Remember this. When people are respecting and understanding what it is that belongs to me, what it is that belongs to my wife, and where we share something together, and we should both be sharing that area and not controlling each other in that area as well, that's something that can always help a Shulam thrive. So let's, let's just explain this a little bit with a few small examples. And 
it's really all encompassing. This will, this, th- these categories will deal with every issue that ever comes up in Yiddish Hashtib. I think we'll answer the question, who's in control in Yiddish Hashtib? Well, it should depend on what. So anything that has to do with a husband, right? You know, a guy going to, the, going to G&G to pick a Bekasher. Example I give often. Right? And sometimes you see a couple buying a Bekasher. Now it looks cute, right? A couple picking a Bekasher. And sometimes you actually see a woman picking a Bekasher, but she brings along her husband to make sure it fits. What does that mean? She's buying a Bekasher, but she doesn't feel comfortable wearing it. Right? But she likes this one. So she's going to put it on someone. And she's going to like how it looks on that person. Now, if a wife tells a husband, you know, I like the way this looks, and he says, oh, that's wonderful, I'm fine wearing it, that's fine. I don't want anyone to make a mistake, I think that there's a problem with that. That's fine. But a wife tells a husband, you got to wear this one. I don't feel comfortable with that one. It doesn't matter. This is what's normal. You hear me? You don't wear things that make me miserable. What does that mean? That means that somebody's deciding something that really does belong to someone else. Now, very often, people could try to twist that and show how it's not really yours, it's really mine. We'll talk about that in a moment. But it's something to think about. What do you mean you want to go to the shear from 8 to 9? There's a better shear at 7 to 8. Right? Going to the shear at 8 or 9, those, that, that's, that's not a good shear. You think, I don't know? Those are the guys that, you know, they don't, they don't take things too seriously. So that's not a good shear to go to. It's his shear. So if somebody's telling someone else what to do and taking control of the issue that belongs to someone else, that's a problem. Let's talk about relationships for a moment. I just had this recently. I actually shocked at the example. But a whole shulun bias was rocky because Ingeman decided to share his schedule with his mother. You just told your mother your whole schedule? Why did you share with your mother your schedule? Now, my schedule is mine, right? I just shared it this morning with my son. He asked me, Tati, what, what do you do? I said, uh, what do you mean? Where are you a whole day? I told him, I, you know, how do you answer a five-year-old? I wake up and I go to Shiel, I go to my chavrisa, I go to the office, I come home, I go to Shiel to Minchen, and I come home. So, but, but that's my schedule. I can share whatever I want. Now, if I decide to tell my mother a rundown of my schedule, and actually a detailed rundown, I tell her, you know, I get up at 8 o'clock, I have a chavrisa till 9, usually it takes me 10 minutes to this, because huh? she asked me and I'm comfortable sharing it. So Ingeman's telling me he shared a schedule with his mother, and his wife wouldn't talk to him. Well, it took a few days, and she finally told him that the reason why she's very angry at him was because he shared something so personal with his mother. He married to two women. Well, his schedule is his. And who he shares it with is his. And who he feels comfortable sharing it with is his. And it has nothing to do with her. Now, if she asks him nicely, I'm saying it again, because I don't want people to make the mistake. If she asks him nicely, I would appreciate if you don't share things like this with your mother, and he decides not to do it in front of her, then that's fine. But the fact that somebody is angry or taking control of something that's yours, whether it's how you're dressing or what you're doing, in most cases, there are always those weird exceptions where you're really affecting someone else's life directly. Who you're talking to, when you're going, or what you decide to do, that belongs to you, and nobody should be controlling what you do. And let's turn that around a moment, when it comes to the other side. A husband may be allowed to do, may be allowed to be more in control, as we said earlier. There are things that a husband would be allowed to tell his wife, do this, don't do that, but why? As long as it's not a serious issue, and he doesn't have a real reason to take control over her decision, or something that does belong to her, why wouldn't he let her? Who you're talking to, where you're going, why are you doing this, why don't you do that? I want you to do things this way. That's not the way to do things. Now, again, you could always ask nicely. You could always take each other seriously. It's fine if a man has a few packages that he likes and he asks his wife which one she likes best. That's fine. Taking each other seriously is, is beautiful when it comes to shulun bias. But it has to be what's mine and what's yours. And as long as, we're, as long as people are in a relationship, no matter what the relationship is, there will always remain what belongs to me and what belongs to you.
And this is in every relationship. You'll see it in, in, in work and, and, and anywhere you're living. There's always things that do remain mine and things that do belong to you. Then there's the hours. Like I said before, there's always things that we share. And if one person is taking control over something that belongs to both of us, that's, a, that's again a control issue. Regardless of if he's allowed or not. Or we made up that it's going to be this way. Whether it's our children, or our home, or our schedule. And very often you'll have one person deciding when we are going, or where we're going. Your mom was complaining to me right after the chasna. A whole day is to me devort. Me. Me geit. Me tit. Me furt. Me. What's my? Me. It shouldn't be that way. When two people are involved in something mutually, it's something that both should have equal control over, meaning that they should both understand each other and both decide together. And if it's hard to decide, we could discuss without anyone getting upset at the other one for having a different opinion. We could take turns. We could compromise. We could have someone else decide for us. We could uh, do a lot of things. But control, where somebody decides, I'm in control, I'm going to make the decision, I'm going to decide where, that's something that should always be avoided. Now, interestingly, very many things that do seem like ours aren't as much ours as people think. Something that I want to emphasize. Because sometimes people tell me, well, it's our kids, right? You said ours, right? It's the kids. Many things that look like ours aren't necessarily something we have to even agree on. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about disagreeing. I'm talking about agreeing on. I'm talking about dealing with, it, with something together. For example, right? The example I gave you, we're coming to, we're coming to Karaftuni. We want to learn new things, we want to be inspired, we want to be encouraged, we want to get guidance. So we're doing this together, right? So, so which person we talk to to get guidance from, or which speech we listen to, is something that affects both of us, right? So we should be able to fight about it till we decide on something together, right? Well, not necessarily. There's nothing wrong with one person deciding that this is something I want to try, this is something you want to try. So many things that people tend to think we should be agreeing on because it involves both of us doesn't. Just the summer... I was dealing with a situation that made me think about this very much. There was a couple who had a, a daughter in camp, and they came to visiting day, right? So you could open any magazine before and after visiting day. You see all the letters to the editor, or if it's good or bad, and it's never ending. So you could buy last year's if you want. It's the same thing. And people have different ideas. Should we visit the kids? Should we not visit the kids? Should we be material appearance? Should we not be material appearance? Now the mother was adamant that a girl in camp away for six weeks it's already a week and a half into the summer right? Uh, away for six weeks she has to get a visitor who knows what it's going to do to her what kind of trauma what kind of long term brain damage she'll have if nobody comes to visit her so this is, this is something that's very very important now she came with that request to her husband who the one day, the one day a week that he has off t- uh, some time to breathe is Sunday especially the Sundays that his daughter's in camp now he finally does have some, some time to breathe and uh, he wasn't so excited about schlepping up to the country. You know, it takes a lot of time to go there, a lot of time to come back. And by the time you're busy funding everything that comes along with the visiting day, he didn't think it was important. But the way he expressed it was, like he didn't tell me that part of the story. But the way he said it was, I think it's ridiculous. We should teach children that parents don't have to sit on the road a whole day for them. It was like a, more of a shit type of thing. Right? I think that there's a chinuch thing. Kids should know that parents don't have to spend the whole day on the highway just because you're having a blast in camp. You're having a blast? No problem, I'll call you. It's fine. Even if you see your friend got a package and you only got a smaller one, a big one, it's all part of the chinuch he was trying to give to his daughter. And his wife is, is destroying the whole chinuch, you know, just by trying to feed this, this uh, adolescent, um, you know, self-absorbed uh, teenager. Now when you think about it, this sometimes would seem like, you know, perfect example. For the wife to say, we're going, and that's it, and if you don't take me, I'm not going to talk to you for three weeks, right? That would be wrong. 
because you know it has to do with the father as well. And for him to say, "We're not going," and I don't care, I don't, I don't, I don't want this to happen. It wouldn't either seem so so right because you know the, it's it's definitely affecting the mother directly. She wants to see her daughter. So what do we do? This is a problem. Now there's no checkmate because in every such situation as well, you could always discuss it with someone. You could always compromise. It's a, there's ways to deal with things, even when it looks like it's a checkmate. But when I suggested to this couple, and they both couldn't believe the suggestion was, you know, maybe the mother can actually even take a car service, if necessary, probably cost less than it would cost otherwise, and go herself to visit her daughter and bring a package and come back and tell the daughter that Tati really wanted to come, he was busy, and Tati could have his breathing space, especially if the mother's not around. Like, why wouldn't that work for everyone? Yeah, but, 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 but what? That's what they did, and it worked beautifully. The mother felt good that her daughter had a visitor. There was no long-term trauma that needed extensive therapy. The father had his day off. What was the problem? So many issues that seem like we, we have to agree on something. You think about it. Maybe we don't. Now, it's not because and we're not married. We could discuss it. We could decide that when we do want to go together, we'll go a night before visiting and spend time together. There's many ways to work together. But when it comes to a point where two people are having an issue over something... And it, even when it does directly affect both of them, it still could be dealt with in a way where nobody has to control anyone else. And certainly not when the mother is harassing the father, did you call her in camp to say good Shabbos? Well, that's, direct, that's already specifically a control issue where somebody is telling the other person what to do. So there's much more to say about this, but let's just remember these three categories for now. There's mine, there's yours, and there's ours. And like I said, this could be with an employee and employer. Ours is when we work together, the work that you have to give me and the work that I look over you. But then there's the yours about how you want to do your work and when you want to do your work, in most cases, really doesn't involve me. And when I just get controlling over you because I can't handle when somebody comes late and does it quickly and the work is really getting done. Or the other way around, you, know, you can handle when I ask you for something. Sometimes if we just let each other breathe, that's when the part that we do share, and in marriage obviously it's a much bigger part, could be so much more enjoyable, so much more pleasant because it's really ours together. And we do take each other seriously and we could compromise and we both know what the other one wants. And taking each other seriously is definitely something that will always uh, make every relation happy, every relationship happy. Now, what I said before was that sometimes something really could belong to someone else, and it's very easy to twist that around. So let me just give you a few statements that I hear people say often. You know, the Beckage example. Well, of course it's your Beckage, but you know how I feel when you wear that? You know how you make me feel? <laughs> this is yours? I, I want to bury myself. I, I can't even walk into the simcha when I'm standing near you and you're dressed like that. And this could go both ways, husband and wife. So, so whose is it now? Right? Or, if a husband tells a wife, I understand that you have your way of washing the floor, right? It's an OCD ready for generations, and I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do, but why do I have to hold the baby outside the kitchen for three quarters of an hour? Right? The whole kitchen is only ten and a half feet. So here already, you know, I'm letting you do your thing, but, but what about me? Or if somebody says, you know, you want to come late to the, to the family simcha, I understand, but then my mother won't talk to me for a few weeks. So now already it is affecting me directly. In very many situations like this, you'll hear where people, where people are taking control over something that's not theirs. Just recently I, I was dealing with a man and trying to teach him a thing or two about not being controlled. In his case, that was the, the thing that he had to learn. And... Um, It wasn't, it, it wasn't being taken so well at home. Let's put it mildly. I don't want to give away too many, uh, too many um, details of the story, but I got a call one day, and this lady has a long 
list of complaints. What is? Ever since my husband started talking to you, he became very controlling. I said, really? How did he become controlling? Because whenever I speak to him, I never, he doesn't come across like a controlling type. I thought I was just trying to help him not be controlled. Well, a lot of times he tells me he wants to go daven, and he goes. <laughs> That's very controlling. You know, he used to ask me when he should go, and I used to tell, and, and things like that. And actually, when it came to something at his job, and, and he didn't even ask me, he just told me what's happening there, and, and, and things like that. And then when it came to the kids, you know, when, when he, had a, he had an interaction with one of the children, he didn't even ask me what he should tell them. He became extremely controlling since he's talking to you. This, this is very wrong, I'm telling you this, and this is not working. And I was thinking, you know, this, this is working. This is working. So very often, when someone tries to manipulate something, you'll see how something that does belong to one person, all of a sudden is being twisted, and you don't even know what it is anymore. So remember this. If it's, if it's affecting someone else directly, meaning it's involving them, it's asking something of them, it's making them do something, that's where you definitely have to take someone else into consideration, you know, if we're going to a chasna and there's only one way to get there, right? And there's, there's no other way to get there. If there's no other way to get there, then, then yeah, that's where it's definitely... Nobody can say, well, this is my thing and I have to do it. Because if you come... But letting someone else not come late because of how someone else might think of you, that, that's not yours. Holding the baby three quarters of an hour when someone else scrubs the floor, well, I let you scrub the floor, but I might have to put down the baby. And that's where you see how different things, when you take them apart, you'll see which things really do belong to someone, which don't. And all of a sudden, there's no need for control anymore. I don't tell you how to clean the floor. You don't tell me how to care for the baby. I, I can't leave the baby with you because you're not going to hold him all the time. You might cry. You don't have to. If you don't like how I hold the baby, that's fine. So you can hold him? Maybe not the whole time. But then I can leave him with you. That's fine. And that's how people can very nicely, very politely, you know, uh, resolve very many issues that look like um, control issues. And then you have people who try to manipulate things just by threatening and just by being even more controlling. You know, if, if, you, if you're going to go to the chasna so early, I'm not going to come till 11. Right? What's that? That's not, that's not necessarily saying that it affects me, but I'm trying to make you do something. And this very often. Okay, let's, let's go away from the adults for a minute. Let's go to the kids for a minute. Yeah, it's easier to talk to adults about children. Okay? You tell your teenager you want something from him. He says, I don't want to do it. But I want you to do this. Well, if, you, if I do this, then I'm not going to do something else. Very often people start using different threats or different manipulations or all kinds of uh, consequences to get you to pull back on something you said. Now remember, you have to think twice before you say something. You don't want to get yourself into a ditch and then have to pull back. But if somebody is trying to take control over something you're doing by expressing how much control they're going to have over something they're doing, and then you start getting a little shaky, that's not good. You could tell someone very nicely, listen, it might bother me when you do that, but I still feel that it's important for me to do this now. Very important. It's important in a healthy way to express yourself and make sure that nobody feels that they're going to make your decisions for you. Now, when, when people find themselves in, in, a, in a relationship that's, let's call it lopsided, right? One person is controlling the other. Very often people will, will look at it like the one who is controlling more is at fault. Right? The one who is controlling more is at fault. So if he's the one listening to this, to this speech, or she... And decides, you know what, maybe Taka, there are issues where I'm controlling my husband or, or wife. Maybe there are decisions I'm making and I shouldn't be making. Maybe I'm, I'm taking over too much of a certain relationship. You know, that's fine. But sometimes it's the other person who's listening and say, you know what, maybe I'm really being too controlled. And when you think about it, somebody who's allowing himself to be controlled is just as at fault as somebody who's controlling. As a matter of fact, when you're in a relationship with somebody controlling, you'll notice that that person doesn't control everyone. I tried this yesterday. A man comes to me, had an issue in the business with a partner, and he was letting a very controlling relationship. 
my partner, who's only a partner, comes across extremely controlling. Whenever he wants something, it's always in a very manipulative way, like, we have to do it this way, because otherwise it doesn't make sense, because the way you want to do it won't work anyway, right? You understand that on your own. And all of a sudden, he's left feeling like he has no control over anything. I say, you know, interestingly, when he deals with someone else, someone who is helping the business with other things, does he also talk that way? No, he wouldn't dare. So there you go and you see, and this is, this is you see often, he's talking to you that way because you're allowing it. So it's not about a blame game. I'm not saying who's at fault anymore. It's just important to realize that it's not only about not controlling someone else, it's about not being controlled. And when you do it in a respectful way, and you let someone understand that, you know, I'd love to accommodate you, and it means so much to me that you're happy, and your opinion does mean a lot to me, and I'll take it into consideration next time, and still this is the way I feel more comfortable doing something, you're doing something very healthy for yourself and for the other person and for the relationship. So not being in control and not being controlled are both just as important. And sometimes you just have to be consistent and stick to your word and know how to say it again in a nice way. I remember I was talking to my bocher once, not more than once, and you know, he wanted something. I said, you know, tatin is great yet, whatever it is. Abraham, Abraham. I said, well, obviously, you could pull back if you didn't say something, but if you said something clearly that this is what you feel is right, you know, he smirked. Happened another time, a few times, that I made such a comment to him, like, he smirks, he knows already that you could just leave the topic, and we'll, if you want, you can ask me a different time. So this past Yom Tif, it was uh, Sikis, and, about, and the, the Gabba comes over to me, and Sheila says, Shimon, if she guys sits a moment, he asked me a second time, and that's when I saw that it hit home. You know? And if you don't respect your own words, and when somebody tells you something the third time, you just give in, then don't be upset and say, you know, I don't know, she asked me three times, I just couldn't. Why couldn't you say no again? Not, not getting angry, not screaming at someone like, when are you just going to stop? What's with you? No. It's hard for me now. It's really hard for me now. I want it, maybe a different time, but now I feel I can't. But this and but that and but this and but that and but that and that. And you wait for them to finish. I just don't have so much time to play it out how long it takes sometimes. I understand you. It's very hard for me now. I appreciate it if you could understand me. That's all. It's very important. And you'll be helping yourself and the other person at the same time. Now when we talk about control in the Yiddish Hashtib, okay, so I think that we settled it a little bit between husband and wife, in most cases. But very often, there are more people in the equation. You know, they say a joke that the First year of marriage, the husband does all the talking. Second year, and, and the, the wife's doing the listening. Second year of marriage, the wife does the talking. The husband listens. Third year of marriage, they're both talking. All the neighbors are listening. Yeah? Sometimes there's a lot of other people in our life who have a direct impact and influence on our relationships. And it's a problem. So sometimes it's not even the husband or wife who's looking to control as much as we have to do this because the neighbor said, or the neighbor's going to know, or what are they going to think? And slowly again, you're being subjected to someone else's control and it's affecting your relationship. Now, there's such a thing as social norms and we definitely all try to be normal. And we do something extremely funny, then you could expect people to wonder why you're doing it. And sometimes people take this to an extreme and they just do whatever they want and I don't care what people think and why are you looking at me? I thought you don't care what I think. Yeah. But sometimes people take that to the wrong extreme. But in a healthy relationship, a husband and wife, things that revolve around you and your home and your marriage shouldn't be decided by people around and it's, more, it's much more important for you to know what your wife wants or what your husband wants than whatever, whatever, what, what everyone else will say. Now again, everything with a grain of salt and depends when and what and how will affect the steep. But in any case, remember, other people should not be controlling your relationship. And where it, where it comes much more importantly, when it's the neighbors listening or, the, or you know, what people might, might think, 
You know, that's definitely uh, only, only an example. But very often, and there's something that... It's a, it's a touchy topic, but so often, parents of married children have such a direct influence and impact and control over their children's relationships that it's scary. Scary. Just last week, I was talking to somebody who recently married off a kid, and, you know, it's one thing when you want to vent and you're upset at what your child is doing, but it's another thing when you know everything they're doing. How do you know everything going on in your married child's life? What do you mean? Well, what do you mean? Now, that, that young couple might need to learn a lesson or two about knowing how to very respectfully you know, keep a boundary and a distance and know what really does belong to share and what not. Right? We mentioned that earlier. Well, your daily schedule you can still share, but when it comes to anything that's a little more private, it should remain private, and you shouldn't feel intimidated when somebody's asking you, what's the big deal? And all of a sudden you feel very, very scared not to say something. But it's so important, and, and it's important for the parents as well to know that when you marry off a child, you have to let them live. Just simple as that. I was dealing with a situation. Somebody was telling me a situation that was coming my way about how... When I say over real life stories, I always try to make sure that I'm not giving any, any, any identifying details. So there was something going on between a husband and wife, and the wife did something and went somewhere that maybe wasn't the best thing to do. Nothing terrible, but something that, you know, the husband wasn't so happy about, but he understood her and he let her go. And all of a sudden there was a, a problem and they needed help and they had to call for help and whatever it was, and it was going to become known that, that she was at a certain place. And the first thing that the husband said, the first comment that he made, and this was so disturbing to his wife, and I understood it was, and it, it was like an emergency situation and it wasn't comfortable and it was a little scary what's going to be the outcome of it. And the first thing he said was, just make sure my father doesn't find out that we were here. Now, the way the story was repeated was, there's something wrong with this guy. When your wife is having problems and she's in an emergency situation, the first thing you're worried about is what your father's going to say. I mean, please. And what my feedback on the story was, listen, if there's something wrong with him or not, I don't know. He could probably learn a thing or two. But there's something wrong with his father. If he's so intimidated from his father that in an emergency situation, the first thing he thinks about, oh, that's a problem. And if you're controlling children's lives to that degree where they're afraid of you, and when it comes to anything, the, the first thing that comes to their mind is, how are we going to work around this? How are we going to make sure that, that the there's something wrong with that? And couples should know this, that control over relationship, what belongs to us, belongs to us. Don't let other people have control of what's going on in your life. It's very, very important. Now, one of the ways to make sure that you're okay being in a relationship where there's no control being in a relationship where I'm fine with mine and I'm fine with you having yours and then we share what's ours it's, it's such a key word in relationships in general and the word is acceptance in order for anyone to really allow someone else to make their own decisions it takes a certain amount of acceptance why is that? when it comes to the ice cream flavor okay, so most people won't get offended when they want to order ice cream and the wife wants vanilla and he wants chocolate some people will by the way Okay? But most people understand, okay, she wants vanilla, that's fine, I also once liked vanilla, which is okay. Some people will take it as an insult and say, you know, I thought you heard me say a thousand times chocolate is better. Now, again, with ice cream flavors it's trivial, but it comes to bigger things, and people get offended. What do you mean? How could you, uh, okay, I'm not going to control you, but you, know, you really want to go to that speech that talks about shulam bias? We're having good shulam bias, I take, that, I take that personally. 
what happens is, if you're not accepting someone, and you're not actually allowing them, and being okay, in your own heart and mind, with the fact that somebody else has different opinions, different thoughts, and different feelings, if you're not okay with that, with another person being another person, then it's going to bother you, it's going to be very hard to let that person really be in control of something that belongs to them. It's going to be very tempting to try to take control if it's going to be available. And that's something very important to remember. One of the key points in any successful relationship is acceptance. Accepting the fact that somebody else is not you. In any relationship, the best, the worst, there's always a certain amount of acceptance necessary. I accept the fact that you are you, and it's fine. I was dealing with a relationship that was very rocky, and it was all, it was all revolving around the word acceptance. You don't accept me, you do accept me. Until one spouse, Belez Brida, said, you know what, I accept you. You sure? Yeah, so now that I accept you, what are you going to do to change that I should be happy? Now, you don't realize what it sounds like, and sometimes it comes out a little more polished, but acceptance means that I accept it. I accept it here, not there. Not I allow it, not I tolerate it. I accept the fact that we're two different people. I accept the fact that even though they told me before the chasna that mamish, you know, which it is, we're still two different people. I accept the fact that even if in the past we did want something similar and we shared a certain idea, as time went on, we got two different ideas about something, I accept the fact that you are you and I am I. And that's what helps people get to the next step of relinquishing control and living peacefully and happily and letting the other person be who they are. By the way, and this is always just like a side benefit, the reverse psychology of it, where you don't control people, that's when they do so much more of what you want. And I'm not saying it in a manipulative sense. But you see this with children all the time. When the certain children, at least for sure, when you tell them what to do, they have resistance. When there's too much authority, there's a resistance, I don't want them. Too much control. You'll be surprised how often your wife will want to go to the house at the same time as you, if only you wouldn't say, so we're going at seven, right? Say, it would mean a lot to me to go at 7. If it's not too hard for you, I would really appreciate if you get everything done before then and call me. But only if you could, and if not, I'll wait. And all of a sudden she's ready at 7. So by the way, if anyone is looking to be a little more in control of what's going on, the reverse psychology of not controlling people will always help you. And the reason it helps is specifically because you're not controlling. A relationship where people aren't controlled, they feel understood, they feel that they have their space, they feel that someone else understands them, someone else accepts them and lets them be, so why wouldn't I want to please that person? Who do I want to please if not for a person who truly accepts me and respects me? Who do I want to please if not for a person who understands that I don't have to do anything? So if my mother's telling me to come to the Simcha at 7, and my husband's asking me nicely to come at 8, and telling me how much I would meet him, isn't he the one I want to please? Now sometimes not. Sometimes in unhealthy relationships, people are too intimidated to do differently. But very often, that's your best bet at, at having things go your way. Now starting off a Shabbos like this, with a topic on control, could be a little misleading. I just want to end off with a very clear point. Mr. Matzah Shabbos, we're talking about uh, 10 ideas that might help your marriage. And a lot of them come before this drusha. What we're talking about now is a controlling situation, too much control, too little control. It sounds a little problematic. It's not a Sheva Baruch's drusha. You know, it's like, you know, you're in a relationship already, you realize where this is relevant, and you want to you stabilize things and make things a little pe- more peaceful. There's much more that needs to be done to have a happy marriage. Much more. And sometimes the people, when they're in sticky situations, all they're interested in hearing is, how do I get out of this problem? How do I deal with this problem? My wife is so controlling. This one, they, my, this, my, my husband's screaming at me. And there's no money. He's spending on what? And they just want to deal with a problem. That's not a way to work up a relationship. Relationship needs, relationships need so much more than that. Every marriage needs so much positive energy, so much, so much closeness and consideration, and, and, and so much more than just not being controlled. Now, not being controlled is relevant from the start. It's a very important point. But it's not what you'll need to make your relationship thrive. It's just what you'll need to make sure it doesn't get damaged. There's a story about the guy from Helm. He went to buy a pet parrot. He needs someone taking, taking care of him. 
He needs someone to, to keep him company. He was an old guy. He's on his own. So he bought a parrot. Said the parrot talks. I need someone to talk to me. Yeah, this parrot talks. Just give him a little time. And he starts talking. Comes back two weeks later to the pet store. Parrot's not saying anything. I said, really? Does he have a mirror? A mirror? No, you didn't tell me. So he puts a mirror. On. Parrot sees himself. Maybe it's easy for him to start talking. Comes back two weeks later. He's talking. He's still not talking. Does he have a ladder? No, he doesn't. Yeah, have a ladder. Get a ladder. Parrot to climb up and down and keep him busy. You know, maybe that will liven him up. Anyway, it goes by in a few days, not talking yet. Okay, what do you now? Does he have a swing? No, the parrots like the swing. Hey, come back two weeks later, furious. The guy said, he's still not talking? No, he's dead. He said, really? Did he say anything before he died? Yeah, he said, why don't you give me some food? And that's when he died. And sometimes that's what it is with relationships. We're looking to fix things and look for solutions without realizing there's the food in the relationship. There's the care, there's the concern, there's the feeling. There's so much more to it. And still we always have to remember that when it comes to any area of control, any area where somebody is taking too much control or making someone else feeling controlled, there's the healthy boundaries that have to be there. I mean, I wish still this is what helps a relationship thrive in a healthy way, long term. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.